Wow, David, you have quite the uh, educational pedigree here. John Hopkins, Duke. What did you study? You know, at Duke, uh, you study basketball. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> how to how to play it, or how to yeah how how, how, how to uh, yeah. You're everyone's basketball. Actually, the, there when I went through, there's no there they didn't have minors, and so the joke was everybody minored in basketball. But um, yeah, I studied biomedical engineering and electrical engineering at Duke. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, tell me about the tip you might have for a tinnitus. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of this. So it's this, it's not a PEMF, but it was a, a, a mat that we got and it had a probe. And so it, it's a different frequency probe and that like um, one of my friends specifically, that was the only thing that moved the needle on his. Um, and so you just kind of hold, hold up the probe to your ear. Send me a link, man. Okay. I'm willing to, I'm willing to try anything yeah. at this point. It's a mystery that I haven't solved. I have a couple interviews coming up with experts. And oftentimes I am doing shows, you know, selfishly in a way to solve problems that I'm trying to overcome. And just hoping there's enough people out there that are like, oh, damn, I have that. Cool. He found a solution that works. And, you know, that's one of the things I enjoy about doing what I do is I get to continue to go on my healing journey and take some other people with me. Yeah. So I'm all, I'm always like my ears perk up when someone's like, oh, yeah, I, I heard someone found a way to fix that. It's, it's, it's a really weird issue because, I mean, obviously it's brain related and we don't know what the hell's going on in there. You know what I mean? There's so many variables. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we didn't even believe in neuroplasticity or we weren't even aware it existed. You know, that was not that long ago and we were sure about that. So it's funny the way science and research progress and we learn so much more as we go. Yeah, and there was no, uh, no, you couldn't regenerate neurons and now you can, you know. I was glad to hear that because when I was a kid, I, I did quite a bit of drugs and I always felt like, man, I would have been much smarter. But back is like back in the 80s, you know, as they would talk about if you used uh, marijuana that, you know, you would kill your brain cells and they'd never come back and you'd be a dim-witted you know, Neanderthal forever. And uh, when that latest research started emerging, I was like, cool, maybe I can grow some back. You know, it seems like you can. Yeah. I feel just like get, I've restored some of that. Just get some uh, stuff that makes BDNF and you're good to go. We're, we're going to talk about that. So one of the things I like to do is dive into the science of unique molecules, substances, compounds that really move the needle for our health and longevity that are lesser known and, and emerging. So everyone knows you need your vitamin E, your retinol, your vitamin C, right? It's like, I think by now we figured out that if, if you can't get stuff from food that you can take supplements, your B vitamins and so on, the list is endless. Um, but then there's this other category of compounds that are, which we're going to talk about today, that are at least at some point derived from food, which is uh, your area of expertise. And you guys at, at Mara Lab seem to have zeroed in on some of my favorites and the ones I find most interesting. And also, which we'll unpack later, found a way to make them more bioavailable. That's correct. 
So over over time, we discover things like quercetin, for example, or berberine, and everyone gets all excited because there's some research that's valid. And then later on, we learn, well, that's fine, you're, but you're spending a bunch of money in these supplements that you, your body doesn't identify and you can't absorb. Therefore, it's kind of, it nullifies the excitement about what they can do for you because something in a Petri dish is different than the way the biochemistry of the body reacts to it and either utilizes it or not. So I want to talk about some of the things you guys are up to, and we'll, we'll start with the sulforaphane, but quercetin, berberine, resveratrol, and I might have even missed something. Cur- the curcumin. Curcumin. Yeah, yeah. So those are, those are the things I want to talk about today. But let's start with the sulforaphane, which is a really hard word for me to pronounce. Sulforaphane. Say, <laughs> say it with us. I was practicing this morning. I was like, it has the word sulfur in it, which would, you know, since it's derived from broccoli, that kind of makes sense. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to learn it one of these days. So how did you first uh, become interested in that particular compound? Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's really great to be here today. So, um, you know, w- my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2012. And, um, and so we actually had read about sulforaphane in uh, different studies and so went out to buy some, but um, what, what was on the market was not sulforaphane. It was called sulforaphane glucosinolate and actually bought a lot of it before I realized that was the precursor molecule. Um, and then, you know, we had kind of did a shotgun approach to her cancer care and uh, that didn't really work. And so it, it spread. Um, then we ended up do, taking some cells from her cancer, growing them in our lab and doing more personalized approach where we put 60 different things, supplements on in the Petri dish to see what killed her type of cancer. And uh, sulforaphane was number three in directly killing her type of cancer. So went out to buy it again. Uh, it, it didn't exist in a supplement form because it's not stable. Uh, so you know, historically, if you try to put uh, sort of broccoli um, extract in that has sulforaphane in capsules, it degrades and you don't get it. You know, you basically it degrades within weeks. That's why people grow broccoli sprouts is because it's a form that you can use, you can juice or whatever, masticate it, and it, it, you get a, a sulforaphane uh, in a you, you know usable amount um, amount that uh, makes a difference and and the whole um, you know might, might as well dive into this now because the whole uh, precursor molecule uh, is what most broccoli supplements all but really two ours and uh, another one um, they don't have sulforaphane in the capsule they have uh, glucoraphanin or which is also called sulforaphane glucosinolate. And, um, and it can say it, a lot of them say it in the advertising, we have stabilized sulforaphane. Um, Amazon, it'll also, everyone will say they have sulforaphane. Uh, you turn it around the back, even some more bold companies will actually say sulforaphane on the um, ingredients. You get their certificate of analysis, it's sulforaphane glucosinolate. So it, you know, maybe, it may be de- deceptive, it may be ignorance, you know, who knows, it's probably a little bit of both. But um, most people, you know, they come across our, our supplement and it's like, you know, it's 50 bucks. Uh, 
this one's 20 bucks. I'm going to go with this one, you know? And it's like, well, why don't you just flush your money down the toilet? Because that's essentially what it, it does nothing. Um, you know, buy some good seeds, make some broccoli sprouts. It's much more, you get much more uh, sulfurifin um, than if you take these other capsules. So anyway, we, um, we basically ended up just growing. I, I joke, we had a, a broccoli sprout operation that could supply 10 families, but we juiced every day and occasionally, you know, they would go bad. You get the mold in there and, um, or you're traveling, you know, at the time I had a one and three year old. And so it's just, it's kind of hectic to, to do everything. Um, <laughs> I totally forgot, dude. I had a sprouting operation when yeah. I got into it back in, I don't know, early 2000s. And I was so excited. I bought like the, the best sprout, sprout growing, you know, device and all that. I lasted for like two weeks and then gave up. It's yeah. It's, it's not very practical for it, me, at least. Yeah, you have you have to, you know. It was kind of you know life and death. So we we made it work. My friend who actually grew Mars cells in our lab, his name's John Gilday. Um, I, I was like, it sure be nice if we had we could stabilize sulfurifen so we could put it in the capsule. Um, well, fast forward uh, two three years, um, uh, John comes to. Uh, my wife Mara and I, and he's like, I've stabilized it. And we're like, you're kidding me. And he's like, you know, basically he'd been working on it for years. And um, so he sent it to a third-party lab. Sure enough, he'd stabilized it. And um, at the time, uh, we were both with another supplement company uh, called Restore, which is now Ion. I got supplement. And we, we just didn't want to bring it in. And, and it was just uh, easier just to let it lie. But uh, Mara was like, we got to get this out there because the research is clear. It's like a game changer. And so um, she pulled the trigger on raising the seed money and then ended up taking a turn for the worse. And then uh, she passed in uh, September 2017. And we ended up getting the seed money in and starting the company in early 2018 and just have it not look back since. Just trying Hence to get the name Mara Labs. Mara Labs after wow. my sweetie. Uh, I I knew that about you uh, from my research, and I just can't imagine that. I don't know how. I don't know how one lives through that grief. I, and I also just lack experience with people close to me dying as of yet. Knock on wood. But when I heard that, I'm just like, how do you even? Go on. What I mean, sidetrack here. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you don't want to get into it, I totally respect that. But you know, what's no, that been fine. like for you as a as a human and just dealing with that emotionally and carrying on? Yeah. In retrospect, I would have started the company a little bit past. You know, not as fast. Um, but yeah, it was it was you know uh, about and my boys were five and seven or seven and let's see seven and nine when she died and uh and you know it's like i'm I, i'm a stuffer like i stuff my emotions and don't cry but there was no stuffing it was just like spontaneous like at the most inopportune times like you know blah um and i think that's part of it is just letting the emotions out and being real um but you know we do i you know i have a faith and so having that outlook that you know this is not all there is and um i'll see her again 
is certainly um, important. I think also um, it's help, very helpful that the boy, my boys are doing well. Um, you know, we, we have, a, I have a great family, Mars family, uh, her mom's in town. Uh, my parents are close. Uh, one of her sisters is close. The other one, her, she has an identical twin who's in Santa Barbara. And we, oh, wow. Yeah. So we, after Mar died, we actually went out there a lot and started, took up surfing. Uh, we're, we all are swimmers. And so that was kind of an easy step and very fun. And so, I mean, you know, emotionally, um, it's the first year was uh, very rough and just, uh, and then, and then, you know, after the first, you know, the first anniversary, the first um, Christmas, first of everything is over. For me, um, you know, still bitter, still hard, but, um, but it was also, it was just different. Is it, is it kind of like, uh, I mean, because I've heard people share how they've dealt with loss like this. And it seems to be that if you don't stuff it and bypass it and you summon the courage to feel it, it seems to be with, with these, with deep hurt that it's almost like a well where if you just allow it to process and process and process, eventually you hit kind of the bottom of the well. And I'm sure it's never like, oh, this is great, but there, there seems to come a point at which that acceptance yep. kicks in when, when you've felt kind of all there is to feel about it. Has that been your experience to some degree? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think now what happens instead of like being overcome with emotion and sobbing, um, it's like, like how, the he- like, how did that happen? Because we had done so much and we were a step ahead of it until we weren't. And just like, how is this my life? A mission of our company is uh, to cultivate lifestyles of wellness for generations to thrive. So, you know, what if Mar? You know, Mar. Are my family's doing well? Thankfully, uh, my boys are doing well. What? But what if Mara was still here? You know, and and she was here to see my kids um, graduate high school and to see and to be a resource for them as they had kids. You know, um, it's a it just. Uh, it, presumably would be a much richer option, but it's not an option for us. It can be an option for others. And so, you know, we also have, it's a multi-generational mission. Like we don't want grandparents, you know, you have the stereotypical armchair grand, grandparent who can't move, you know, hey, you know, and, um, and then you have the ones that actually are on the floor engaging with the grandkids, playing Legos or whatever. Um, and so that's sort of, sort of, our, our vision. So, you know, a lot of our products um, are anti-aging um, and really move the needle on the with the aging aspect. Awesome. Yeah, I think too the thing you touched on of having faith is such a huge part of it. I mean, I I honestly don't know how anyone deals with major life challenges without a framework that there's more to reality than we can perceive. You know what I mean? I was watching, we were talking about documentaries. I watched one. It, it, the production value was really low. I think it was it was a bit dated and I don't remember the name. So forgive me on the show notes, folks. But it was a, a series about people that had had near-death experiences. And, uh, and I have a book over there, um, which is like a Bible of near-death experiences that I've just 
you know, thumbed through here and there, haven't really read it, read it. But it was really interesting, um, the universality of their experiences, despite the, the various circumstances of their physical deaths. Yeah. And the duration of time that their heart wasn't beating and that they were clinically dead. But the thing that was universal about it is that they all said it was the best thing ever. They didn't want to come back. And not all of them, but the majority of them were immediately met by their loved ones who had already passed. And, you know, an atheist might say, oh, that's just a hallucination from the DMT in your brain. <laughs> you know, I, I tend to, I don't tend to abide by that. Um, just based on some experiences I've had in life where I go, oh, okay, yeah, there's, you have a soul and there's no such thing as death. Yeah. You know, it's, I interviewed a guy the other day that said something beautiful. Um, he said, we were talking about reincarnation and he said, many people believe in the afterlife, but it's really not the afterlife. It's the other life, right? There's just versions of you essentially and i don't know just philosophical contemplation like that brings me a lot of peace and solace and knowing you know you still have to go through the human emotions and the attachment and like you described living your life now and imagining what it would be like if she was here and all that but i think it would be a dismal life if you really just had a finite perspective that this physical world, our physical body is all there is. And then it just ends. Like, I just, yeah. How do you even deal with anything? You know? Yeah. No, that, I think that's right. And we were talking about the, the World War II trip. My boys and I went uh, in September to, to Europe to look at and just the documentaries we watched ahead of time. And, you know, on the soldier side, the U.S. soldiers, I mean, the vast majority of them had a faith. Um, and that allowed them to, I mean, they still, there's fear, but there is this idea of a greater good and a faith that allowed them to do some things that were pretty crazy, dangerous, you know, um, and, and the, the bravery and the, the, I, this, yeah, the idea of that, you know, if they died, there was something more. All right, the standard American diet is a disaster. Let me share some quick stats with you. 88% of Americans are considered metabolically unhealthy. 75% are overweight or obese. 34% are pre-diabetic and 9.4% are diabetic. No bueno, my friends. Now, a ketogenic diet can be great for weight loss, but it's not for everybody. Uh, I've tried it many times and failed miserably. So if you're like me and you're not ready to ditch the carbs, I'm going to tell you how you can get your ketones on the sly. Ketone IQ is a drinkable source of exogenous ketones. It's actually been around since uh, 2017, but it was super expensive and largely used by elite athletes who could afford it. But the crew over at HVMN reformulated it last year, and it's now 66% more price efficient than the Ketone 1.0. Plus, I'll tell you what, it tastes a whole lot better. The first version was rough, I ain't gonna lie. I drink this stuff on the daily for multiple reasons, but one of them is that I can take it and be energized and not feel hungry for about five hours. To get started on your ketone journey, or to up your current keto game, head over to hvmn.com Luke and subscribe at checkout to get 30% off your first subscription. Ketone IQ is made with BDO, which is found in foods like avocado, coconut, and honey. It's a really healthy energy source that the brain loves. 
Not only does Ketone IQ help me stay trim, but it also helps me drop into a flow state before every single podcast. No joke. Uh, I love chugging one of these right before I record. Super sharp for the brain. Again, get yours today at hvmn.com slash Luke and subscribe upon checkout to get 30%. Well, thank you for sharing that and indulging me. I'm always working on just expanding my capacity as a person. So I love talking to people that have gone through something difficult that I've not yet experienced yeah. <laughs> taking cues, you know. I take notes, okay, when this happens, it's not an if, it's a when, right? Yeah. For people that we love um, to kind of arm myself with the best possible attitude about it. Uh, I'm curious, what were the other two? You said that this one was the third compound that you felt were effective in the cancer cells. What were the other two? Yeah, um, Luke, you'll be shocked at how few people ask that question, follow-up question. I mean, so you you got you you win the store. You got you, a gold store. You got to know, man. Yeah. Um, was, let me let me. T- was one of them by chance phycocyanin? It was not. Okay. It's, Do you know what that is? I don't even know what it's that is. It's the blue pigment in spirulina. Oh, interesting. I interviewed a, a really brilliant woman the other day who was talking about. Actually, she showed me some slides of cancer cells in a petri dish, and they put this blue pigment in there and. <laughs> It nukes them. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that may not have been one that we put on. Um, but, you know, if I would love to get my hands on some. Because we're a lot of our, our assays, um, how we test our supplements, we put them on um, these breast cancer cells called MCF7s. Um, just to, we, we do a lot of our um, synergy studies. So, work, do the supplements work together, that sort of thing. Um, so anyway, we're always testing. Um, so it'd be great to get another toy to test with. Yeah, I'd love to see the outcome of that. So uh, what were the other two? Then? Um, vitamin C and um, curcumin. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, the vitamin C makes sense. You know, the Linus Pauling work and these, you know, high dose vitamin C IVs and stuff. Yeah, we did so many... I mean, that was probably her lifeline was a lot of vitamin C IVs. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, the curcumin. Um, and that, the curcumin and, and, you know, you read about the curcumin in the studies. We did, you know, this putting it directly on her cells. But a lot of our research was like, how, like first of all, what's the best curcumin to use? Because um, not much, if you just use straight curcumin, less than 1% gets through the gut barrier. So not enough to really do much, you know, as far as getting to the cells. Um, you can't just eat a chunk of turmeric. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, you know, people, it's, there are supplements that have ground up turmeric in it. And, um, and so I think about 5% of turmeric is, has the actual curcumin in it. Um, and so if you, if we're, I'm talking though, if you get a hundred percent, if you get it refined, so it's 95% pure or very heavily purified, um, only five or less than 1% gets through the gut of that gets through the gut barrier. Wow. And so, you know, um, and people feel a difference with non bioavailable curcumin, but, um, and I, and I think that that's true in that. A lot of that curcumin actually is um, staying in. It does if if it doesn't get through, it stays in the gut. It stay, goes through the colon, the small intestines, 
And, you know, those cells are getting the benefit because it's directly on. And, you know, a lot of inflammation, a lot of important stuff, immunity in your immune system is in your gut. So I do think, you know, there is a place for not bi- non-bioavailable curcumin. But m- the problem is a lot of, of the brands say theirs is bioavailable and it's just not. Um, so well, what's, yeah, I want to, well, we could, we'll actually just skip around and get into that now. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Years ago, I started hearing about uh, the benefits of curcumin, and you know, learned that it was derived from uh, from turmeric. Which, by the way, people it has an R in it. So many people call it turmeric; it drives me crazy. <laughs> turmeric, turmeric, whatever. It has an R, folks. Yes. Anyway, I digress. That's uh, my OCD kicking in. And so then, you know, in the health space, we started learning. Oh, this compound's really good for you, but it has low bioavailability. And then so supplement brands and their marketing started saying, well, we found research that uh, if you add a black pepper extract to it, that then it activates it. And then some time went by and then I started seeing information in the blogosphere and podsphere that that doesn't really do much and that that's fake news. Um, what's what's your perspective on making it bioavailable? Because that's one of, one of Mara Labs' claim to fame on all of your stuff is that you've you know, done research and are able to verify its bioavailability. So tell us a bit about that one. Yeah, I mean, for the, black, the black pepper, I do think, um, you know, that one, get, so there are really two issues. Is the curcumin getting through your gut barrier? And then the second is um, what's going on after it gets through? Is it actually um, getting to the cells? Is it getting, impacting the pathway which is NF-kappa B, which is the pathway that all the pharmaceuticals, it's the holy grail that the pharmaceutical companies are going after when they create an anti-inflammatory. And so um, so the first part, does it get through? Well, these companies with black pepper, you know, that can be an irritant, right? Um, and so it irritates the gut lining and some can get, some more can get through than just regular curcumin. Um, the... Uh, in the studies, the most bioavailable curcumin is Novosol. Um, that's also uh, the reason it's bioavailable because it's 97% detergent. <laughs> what? It's polysorbate 60. Oh, and so, um, dude. And it's 3% curcumin. And nobody's talking about that. It's just like, um, so we actually, you know, we're, they're the one to do the head-to-head with but we're not just looking at bioavailability. We're looking at, uh, we actually have a measure of inflammation. Is it actually um, improving inflammation? Um, and I'm trying to th- make sure I don't actually get a letter with a lawsuit on it, so I may. <laughs> you, you can be as cryptic as, as um, need be. I it, mean, that's, that's one of the frustrating things about conducting these conversations with people that, manufacture and sell health-related products is that due to the regulations, you can't make, quote, medical claims, right? It's so, it is frustrating for me because I'm like, no, say the thing. Like, well, if we were off mic, you'd be able to tell me exactly what it does and do so ethically and authentically. I always feel like, oh man, it's kind of your hands are tied. And, and I get it. Also, there's Somebody needs to regulate snake oil salespeople. And, you know, I don't want to waste my money on things that don't work and have false claims and things. But in the cases where there, there is legitimate research and 
the benefits are verifiable and have been proven, it's, you know, it's frustrating to not be able to share that information with people that have high inflammation or dealing with something like cancer and you can't say like, yeah, take this thing, it's going to help, we've proven so. Yeah, and so what, what we did was we took actually a large, large amount. So I think we took, um, you know, gram of regular curcumin, gram of, uh, of curcolite, gram of nevisol. Well, the, having that much detergent in your gut, actually what it does is it strips the uh, gut bacteria of the lipopolysaccharides. And LPS is a toxin. And so you can get a pretty... Uh, um, if you take that much, you can get a, a, a of that product. You can get a, a the runs, and you can be really sick. Oh, you can brutal. get sick. Um, it it also um, did did not decrease inflammation. It it, it, it increased inflammation. Um, <laughs> That's the opposite effect. Right? Um, which is kind of funny, but it's also like, I mean, just like really, you know, that's yeah, that uh, that's the gold standard. Um, you know, and and. It's just it's a little bit frustrating that people aren't talking about they're talking about bioavailability so much they're not talking about functionality like what's it actually doing so anyway that's um, but there there are some other ones Mariva was sort of the first market they um, they do the um, or that's sort of the liposomal the dried liposomal um, you know that's about three times the more more bioavailability but it's in the end of the day you know what what we're trying to do is like. You know, we want the next best thing besides an IV. Like we want as much as possible to get uh, the curcumin through the gut barrier to the cells and uh, impacting, you know, so you impacting the NF-kappa B so you can feel the difference. So people with joint pain love our product. Like that's, you know, that's, that's people you can take two at night um, and wake up. A lot of people wake up the next morning and can notice a tangible difference in their joint pain. And I mean, that's it's just like the proofs in the pudding. So Awesome. Well, that's very interesting information about the curcumin. And um, one of the things I love to do on the show is to debunk things and help people not waste their money, you know? Because I've been into the supplements for, I don't know, 20... Actually, no. Even when I was a really unhealthy person, I was taking vitamins from 7-Eleven. Um, but I would say like in a more educated way, probably 27, 30 years or something and spent so much money and then down the road learned that I was just buying expensive pee. <laughs> you know I mean? It's like super frustrating. So I like to save people from that. Uh, but going back to the curcumin, you really got my attention with the proven effects on inflammation and joint pain. And it reminds me, um, Austin sent me some of your stuff like a sample pack of each one or whatever. And I burned through it very quickly just to try it out. But I didn't, I didn't, really, I didn't know why I was taking any one of them. So I didn't track like, ooh, if I take their curcumin product, is my you know knee pain or back pain less? So I'm going to try it again and do a dedicated trial of it, you know, to see how that works. Because that's, that's very compelling. Um, what are some of the other known and proven benefits of curcumin before we move on to some of the other yeah um, and i will say um with with the curcumin actually you're talking about expensive urine um because ours gets through your gut barrier into your um bloodstream you actually um will look it, it will look like 
you're de- dehydrated. Like you, when you pee it out, um, that's those are. It doesn't mean that it didn't get to your cells. It means those are the byproducts, and that actually it means it actually did get through and it is working. Um, unlike, and that won't happen with the others. You'll that uh, if it doesn't get through the gut barrier, you poop it out. Um, so yeah, curcumin. Um, I mean that the the it has other. I think uh, it helps with. Um, there's a uh, another pathway that uh, it helps with called NRF2, um, which is more. It's it's so curcumin is the best natural molecule at turning off the pro-inflammatory pathway NF kappa B. It has, does other stuff though, so it's good for you know it's good for brain health. It's good for cardiovascular. It's good for um, this NRF2 pathway, which sulforaphane. In in the the broccoli is also good for not hundred percent of our curcumin doesn't get through the gut barrier. Some of it's still left, in, and there's a modulation of the gut microbiome too uh, on the positive side. So all cool. of those things. Cool, cool. All right, with the sulfur sulfurophane. 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 I don't know some words, man. Just don't. I just you can't got it. do it. You got it. Um, with that one, it's interesting when you were talking about juicing the sprouts and making the sprouts it reminded me of the old school uh, gerson cancer treatments oh yeah right there was like a lot of juicing of sprouts and i didn't i didn't really know why i thought oh maybe you know it makes you more alkaline or whatever it was i, I didn't i never really looked into it because i thank god I haven't had cancer but um yeah i i was unaware that that's what we're going for yeah gerson's a little different i mean gerson is hardcore they have a yeah um it's a it's a volume juicing whereas like um with if you if you have enough broccoli sprouts like two of our capsules would be the equivalent of like two and a half ounces of of broccoli sprouts the interesting thing too luke is um not all broccoli seeds have the ability to make sulforaphane uh and we were uh, looking on Amazon, we're looking for sources of organic seed because there's really not. We use so much seed; it's really hard to find organic seed. So we find or use organic seed when we can, but then we also just um, use other good sources that maybe may not be certified organic. But um, we were looking for sources when we uh, bought uh, five different brands off of Amazon, and none of them. Um, this this was in 2000 uh, to 2020. None of them made sulforaphane. Sulforaphane, um, and so we we're like, whoa, what the heck? Um, and so we did. I think nine months later, we did the same study, and uh, we did seven different brands, and six of the seven did, and and some of them were the same brands. And so it's just like, what was that? You know. So that I think that's because of that, and because people want seeds that they know actually work. Um, we sell our seeds. We're not a. We don't, we sell our seeds on our on our website, not to be a seed company, but just to give people the option. And so it's basically half half pound will equate roughly four hundred milligrams of sulforaphane. Oh, um, so that's the at the least. Do you think some of them l- lack that? Um, ingredient due to 
being hybridized and breeding and things like that? They just has to. inadvertently bred it out or something? Has to. I just, I, it's, it's one of those kind of shocking things that's just like you swallow hard and be like, okay, <laughs> you know, glad we test. What about the, the, and I'm not an expert in this particular um, area, but from what I understand, you know, Brussels sprouts, kale, watercress, broccoli, broccolini are all basically the same genus with kind of a different personality and slightly different flavor profile. But back before they were hybridized, they were essentially just one plant, whichever one it was. Do any of the other kind of brother and sister plants contain this stuff or is broccoli specifically where you have to go to get it? So, uh, so there are, um, cousin molecules to sulforaphane that, um, that are slightly different, but are, they're called, um, so, so basically if you have something, a head of broccoli, um, it has this precursor molecule to sulforaphane called glucoraphanin. It's stable. Um, you start chewing the broccoli, you break the cell wall, it releases an enzyme that cleaves a glucose off of that molecule and creates sulforaphane. Well, cauliflower has a cousin molecule that the similar reaction occurs. Um, watercress has a similar molecule, and the those those precursor molecules, the family is called they're called glucosinolates. Once they're the, that glucose molecule is cleaved, those molecules are called isothiocyanates. Those ones are not stable. And so um, we actually, uh, you know, our, bro our broccoli product is called Broccoli Plus. Um, and it's plus because we read a paper uh, where uh, they put sulforaphane and the one from um, the one from watercress. It's called phenethyl isothiocyanate. It has a phenethyl group. You're really uh, good at pronouncing these difficult words. <laughs> well, it's been seven years, so I've had a little All bit right. of practice. So, um, but it if you put them together, you get a three to five, it's basically a five times effect versus sulforaphane alone. And so, um, and that effect is stimulating NRF2, um, which is, uh, it's, that's responsible for what's called the antioxidant response system, over 200 genes uh, that get, you know, get turned on and stay on for 72 hours. You get antioxidant response, uh, antioxidants pumping out for 72 hours. And so, you know, if you think about vitamin C, you get one vitamin C molecule canceling out one prooxidant. With sulforaphane, it's not an antioxidant, it's creating them in your body naturally. And so, it, and so it's, that's, I think that's a pretty cool thing. The um, NRF2 is also responsible for phase two detoxification. So, so uh, that it's the, so basically similar to how curcumin is the best at turning off uh, NF-kappa-B, sulforaphane is the best at turning on N NRF2. And so NRF2 is responsible for antioxidant response system. It's responsible for phase two detoxification, but it works in all three phases. And so, you know, everybody, you hear these, these docs have, hey, take my detox protocol. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I, a lot of them, stimulate phase one and you get what's called the detox flu you get you feel sick yeah the Her herxheimer reaction yeah. and yeah. so what what actually um sulforaphane does is it slows phase one it speeds up phase two and then so phase one is basically you're making um 
the toxin less toxic. Phase two, you're getting it um, into your, uh, you're making it water soluble so you can basically start excreting it. And then the stage uh, phase three is binding excreting. And so it works, does all three. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of Hopkins studies, some great studies of Hopkins looking at metals. There's one out of uh, that they partnered in uh, Beijing with, if you've been there, huge air pollution. Um, and so they, they just gave these um, sulfurifin beverages uh, from broccoli sprouts because uh, Hopkins actually discovered it in 1992. They discovered sulfurifane. They weren't able to stabilize it. So they had created this huge broccoli sprout growing operation to, um, for the studies. Um, it's called the Chemo Protective Institute up at uh, Johns Hopkins. And so uh, this study they showed that just drinking this beverage, you know, about 10, 15 milligrams of sulfurophane, they could pee out a huge amount of toxins. Um, so that's the, de- that's the detox. I never thought I'd see this happen, but I'm going to turn 53 this year, folks. And if you watch this show, you know I actually get younger each year. Well, that's what I'm working on. Seriously, though, despite everything I do to stay way below my chronological age, I still sometimes don't feel the way I did in the prime of my life. I mean, let's keep it real. It takes me longer to recover from workouts than it used to, and my mental and physical energies crash sometimes earlier in the day. And it makes a lot of sense if you look at the science. The body makes something called senescent cells which start to accumulate in the body more and more as you enter your 30s and 40s. Scientists call these senescent cells zombie cells because they linger in your body when they're no longer serving a useful function, vamping your energy and nutrition. But of course, there's good news. In 2015, a team at the Mayo Clinic discovered a group of plant-derived ingredients called senolytics that help our bodies eliminate these pesky senescent cells. And the best source of senolytics you'll find anywhere is an amazing formula called Qualia Senolytic. This stuff brings together nine different senolytics in a supplement that's vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. Cruise over to neurohacker.com stylist to try Qualia Senolytic with a 100-day money-back guarantee. And when you use the code stylist at checkout, you'll also get 15% off. And the best news is you only need to take this stuff twice a month to experience the benefits. Boom. It's seriously the easiest anti-aging hack there is. Again, that's neurohacker.com slash stylist. N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash stylist. And that code is stylist. What a trip. So if this compound is encouraging your body to produce more of its own antioxidants is one of them glutathione so i'm thinking about the sulfur content in broccoli and those other yeah it, what do you uh, call them cruciferous vegetables cruciferous, vegetables, cruciferous. Yeah. and glutathione if you take it you know as a supplement it it smells like sulfur like i, I use these mitos and it's too much information i'm sorry it's just funny though I mean, it's a great product, but uh, Mitozen makes these glutathione suppositories, like high dose, which is great because it's you get a longer blood plasma than you would even from an IV, but they're notorious for giving you sulfur farts, you know, rotten egg farts. So I'm, I'm familiar with the, the kind of the sulfur uh, personality of glutathione, you could say. Is there a relationship here between that particular yeah, antioxidant? Yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely, the NRF2 pathway uh, does increase uh, glutathione. 
So it, it increases the glutathione production within your body. It does. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so right now, um, I've been doing this. Uh, have you heard of Glynac? No. Uh, glycine with NAC. Oh, yeah. The you know, two, I heard someone talking about that on a podcast the other day. So two studies, one two years ago, and the other one came out this year. Create like on 70-somethings doing, uh, it's a lot, it's, 60, it's eight grams of each. So it's a ton. Um, and, uh, but over like a 12-week period, I think, uh, uh, maybe it's 16 weeks. And it just reversed a lot of age-related markers big time. And those wow. are the building blocks of glutathione. And so I've been doing that with the broccoli um, has been, um, I think, really helpful. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Is there is there a company that comes to mind that makes a combo product of the glycine and NAC? Uh, not without a filler. So I was actually... Uh, God damn, these supplement companies, man. So I was taking 35 capsules to get to get the 16 grams. And, um, and so I was, I told my guys, cause we don't use filler. And so I was like, I just, just make, make me some without filler. Cause I was taking half of the stuff. It was, so it dropped it to 20 capsules instead of 35 capsules. So we, we make it, but I make it for me, but I, just, okay. I can get you some there. Have you, have you thought about adding that to your suite of products? Um, we've talked about it, but it's like the only value add would be we don't use filler oh, i mean okay you know and then like you have to take 20 a day you know and so it's just like we just give people these baggies these gallon bags right you know you you know so anyway it's it's something we've talked about it's also like apparently you know that it how many people a want to take that much you know it's so exceedingly few yeah yeah, I, I'll turn my wife on to supplements. And even if they're too big, she won't take them. <laughs> or if she has to take too many, you know? Yeah. I'm so like, here's your dose and it's five capsules. She's I'm, like, I'm not eating five of those. I'm pretty disciplined, but it's like the, last week, I think this past week was my worst week. Because you you have to take it throughout the day. Because if you come at, at night and you're faced with 20 capsules right before bed, it's just like, oh man. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I think there's three nights this past week, which is the first time that's happened since it started in August, where it's just like, I'm not, I'm, I don't care. I'm not doing it. Remember a couple of years ago when there was some uh, regulation around NAC that was, was, that was supposed to take effect? And so I... I you loaded up? Yeah. I went, total, <laughs> I I went full hoarder. <laughs> I have a cabinet of NAC. And then now I go to the health food store and I'm like, it's right there on the shelf. So this is my perspective on what happened. I'm not saying it's the gospel truth. However, my perspective. So basically, one of the guys, I, I took, when I, the first day I took those 20 capsules, um, I, I'm a swimmer, swim, swim with my boys, and they're getting a little bit faster, you know, than me. And so I'm having to like really work at it now. And, and uh, my shoulder was just, it, it, for two months, it had been killing me. They would no, less killing, more nagging, and I have stuff that helps with inflammation, right? So I'm, I'm taking it, I'm rubbing it on with uh, like um, topically with uh, DMSO. I'm just like just working it, and it's still there. And so I take this this glycine NAC, sixteen grams, and then the next day, 
gone. The next morning, completely gone. And I'm like, whoa. And so um, another friend of mine, actually it was the, the husband of one of our um, customer service people, uh, his friend, and um, it's like, you got to have, here, give, get, and he's into trying stuff. So I'm like, you got to have him try this. And um, he had, I, I didn't know this, she told me after, he'd had this little asthmatic cough for about two months. Couldn't get rid of it. Was taking all sorts of stuff, even with some antibiotics and stuff. First, like one dose, the next day, completely gone. Well, I was talking to John, John Gilday. He was like, Well, that, that's, yeah, that's actually one of the things that um, NAC was really good for COVID because it was, it broke down the, um, the, the, fi- uh, the fiber, fibrogen or uh, the, the, fibroids that that the in, inflammatory response was creating and that was you know and, and that's why it was taken off the market by the FDA so that they can then roll it into a pharmaceutical so basically there you have this supplement that's working FDA is like oh this is this is working this <laughs> is actually like, working we god can... forbid people get healthy on their own and so um uh, well the supplement industry actually I I don't know if this happened before but they there was this huge response by people and the supplement industry, and you know people who take supplements, and they reversed it. But oh, okay. you can't, you still can't buy NAC on Amazon because they uh, have their pharmaceutical arm now, and they're really, you know, I think they're still thinking it's going to come out as a pharmaceutical. Maybe I don't know. That's interesting. So it was like the ivermectin of the supplement world. I I, rem- I remember seeing things. I, I think it's eased up now, but. An MD would prescribe someone ivermectin, and they go down to CVS and fill the prescription. They wouldn't fill that it. I'm like, what is what is happening here? Yeah, that happened to me. I was so I was so sick, and like my CVS right to buy my house. This uh, uh, pharmacist comes out. He's like, this is not. He's uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oops. Um, he's just like, I'm not filling this for you because it's uh, it's not. And like. Well, the, your, it's not your job to like my doctor. I, doctors, like there are off-label prescript or uses for every pharmaceutical. Like it's not your job, but it wasn't his decision. It was CVS's decision. Yeah. Um, and I was so sick. I'm like, I'm so mad at you right now. But I'm just gonna. So I just walked away and went down a little bit further down the street. And um, uh, do you guys have Wegmans? Uh, I, I, I'm familiar with Wagmans. I don't know if we have them in Texas, but I've seen them, uh, I think, in... Actually, you're from Virginia. Yeah. I, I, I went to Wagmans in D.C. Yeah. Weg, so, Weg, is it Wegmans? Wegmans. Wegmans, yeah, yeah. That's so, what I remember. From, um, yeah. Take it there. They're like, yeah, sure, we'll fill it. It was like 120 bucks. I'm like, oh, like now I know. <laughs> we, like this is a pure profit center. Like it should, you know, cost like very... And like in the third world, it's like, pennies yeah right it's like but um now i i get mine uh out of tennessee there's a compounding pharmaceutical you get it for 30 bucks yeah there, I, people found their ways around that you know i mean uh i even at some point in the height of that scare bought some of the horse paste you know the apple flavor horse paste on amazon i still have it in the refrigerator I, I, yeah my mother-in-law got yeah. it and that's actually what i took first yeah. um I mean, because it's the same stuff. It just probably has GMO corn oil. That is <laughs> not not ideal, you know, um, but um, but accessible. But yeah, I mean, just 
I, I, I do feel obliged to say, since this is a kind of a, a topic that's been, uh, ivermectin is a topic that has been, um, I guess, what's a word for it? Um, Propagandized? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, there's some propaganda to it there. It's been um, looked at as you are like not in reality if you think that works. But <laughs> the reality of the situation is if you look at the peer reviewed studies, a load of them now, if you look, go into science literature, um, it works. <laughs> so, I mean, that's personally like it, uh, you know, the, the literature wasn't uh, fully developed like it is now on it. But um, there were some, uh, some I think one or two decent studies, but a lot more um, anecdotal evidence that it was working. I I was I was about as sick as I've ever been, and I took uh, um, the first dose, went to bed, and that next morning I was probably forty percent better. I was like, oh, thank you. Um, again, anecdotal, but that was my experience. Um, you know, and, and it's a lot of other pe people's experience too, but you, you know, fast forward two years and there's a body of data. Um, so it's, it's, I think that that's where I'm just like, let the, like the data make decision. They make the decisions versus politicians. Yeah. 100%. I don't, the way my brain works is when something's suppressed, it just makes me think that it works. <laughs> So you're that guy. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if if these captured agencies really cared about people's health, they would do things very differently. I mean, you just look at how money is squandered um in all, you know, in so many different ways geopolitically and then you look at a problem like any any health problem or homelessness or any of the things that that are uh, troubling our society could be, if money's the answer to those problems, at least could be so easily and quickly fixed or remedied or at least funded, for example, and they're not. Therefore, they don't care. We're, like in the past three years, it's like the first thing I notice is how, why is there no advice about uh, adequate sleep, getting sunlight, getting, you know, getting your vitamin D, uh, fitness, um, not being obese, you know, just the basic fun. Like, why is there no encouragement to just live a healthier life? It's like, oh, no, no, we can't talk about that. That's, that's a conspiracy theory. It, the only solution is the one that we want you to uh, apply. And so when anything like that happens, I'm just highly suspect. And that's a big clue that I'm kind of on my own and I'm going to have to figure this out, which is how I've lived most of my life. And I think many people listening to this show at this point probably share that perspective, like just personal responsibility. Yeah. Personal sovereignty. Yeah. You know, there's great medical professionals and experts and scientists out there. Sure. And thank God for them. Like people like you, that are doing great work in your lab. Uh, but there is also a lot of disinformation and um, a lot of nefarious stuff going on. You know, yeah. there's, there's a bit of both. My um, oldest son is studying the constitution and there's the idea of self-governing where like where you're talking about um you know you you taking responsibility for your health that that concept um is 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 unfortunately not common nowadays it's like doc tell me what pill to take um but i i mean you know you mentioned obesity and exercise and i think bringing up the topic of obesity uh 
metabolic syndrome, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, <clears throat> in the context of our berberine product, maybe something we can talk oh, about. Oh, cool. Let's do. Let's do. I want to I, I want to make sure that I get all my questions in on this one before we move okay. on. But I'm, I'm very interested in berberine <laughs> because I think I've had a lot of expensive pee with berberine too. Okay. Uh, which we'll find out. Um, but there was something that I read and it might be in relation to the detox pathways that you were referring to or the, the, um, the added glutathione production. What's the relationship between glyphosate? You know, this is a ubiquitous issue now that thankfully more people are becoming aware of. Um, but you know, still it's in just about everything. I was, I was listening to, uh, uh, RFK Jr. podcast, um, yesterday and and there's something I knew, but he just articulated it in a really succinct way where in commercial conventional wheat farming, they discovered that they could, at the end of harvest, spray glyphosate on oh, yeah. wheat crops to desiccate it and dry it out and make, make the, increase the profitability well, and the it, margins because of the speed with which they can, you know, they get a second growing season. Much. That's oh, is that they, what it is? That's why they do it in the northern climates. Okay. It's, it's, they don't do it in the southern climates like it's in... Because um, even if it was just sprayed for its intended use, you know, you could say, well, maybe some of it gets washed off with rain. And a lot of it does. Maybe there's not off. that much present, but <laughs> if you're spraying it and then cutting it's, it and putting it into donuts, yeah. then you got a real problem. There. No, that's that, that what you outlined is is you can get some of the some of the more toxic more um glyphosate um uh rich foods uh from from wheat but thankfully you know there's not a ton of of them that are, there may be more doing it now but um i mean that's been that's been that conversation's been going on for a decade now and um and so the issue with that is i mean Basically, glyphosate. You know that what you what you outlined with that that you're getting a mega dose, so that's doing some damage. But typically, most of us are just getting microdosed daily, um, and so you know you go to um, let's say Five Guys or McDonald's. You know, depending on the oil that's used for your fries, it'll probably be a little bit in if it's vegetable oil, which it probably is. Um, there'll be some, um, which soybeans or canola oil, it'll have a bit in there. Again, these genetically modified crops, they spray uh, to increase the yield. So they spray, kill the weeds, the crops don't die, but then they can grow and, and, and you get, a, in theory, a larger yield. So that, you know, in th again, in theory, you're, you're feeding the nation, which again, is a, you know, that's why the USSR crumbled is they couldn't feed their population. So that's, the idea of feeding your population is big. This is a solution for better, for worse, probably for worse. I think we'd agree that they've come up with. But so, from a health standpoint, what the heck is it doing? And so, our research has shown basically, um, you a couple of basically there are three things. One is it's increasing the uh, just a, a, a amount of glyphosate you get in a regular meal. Um, that maybe it's slightly high, you know, it's a, it's a, but it's, you're eating genetically modified foods and you're getting a, a, a microdose exposure. That amount basically 
um, one of the things it does is it increases it, 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 uh, the gaps in your tight junction. It, it, you're basically, um, it, it's opening your gut barrier. And that's bad because your gut, you know, gut barrier keeps stuff that shouldn't be in. Um, it keeps it out. Um, and so what, what happens is if, if your gut barrier is open long, you know, long-term, you can get that these allergic responses or maybe intolerances. You hear people, I'm intolerant to this. Um, and then that can roll into an allergy. And then, you know, if, it, if you're always on as far as an allergic reaction or often on, that can then develop in, um, into autoimmune. And so th- there's just this kind of a, um, a funnel effect of uh, things that happen. So anyway, what, um, so it uh, works with, it uh, degrades your tight junctions. It degrades your body's cell-to-cell ability to communicate through what are called gap junctions. So if you cut your hand, um, how does your, like, or you have a cut, how does your body know to reform the, the, that skin and connect the skin? Like it, I mean, it, if you think about it, like it's a, that's a pretty crazy cool thing that it just does normally. It's communicating. All those cells are communicating and, 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 um, and it's like saying, okay, we need more, more, um, material to here and here. And so what glyphosate does is it's, it, it decreases your body's ability to communicate through gap junctions, which are these connections between cells networked all through your body. Every we're, we're in, you know, in medicine, there's the guy who studies kidneys, the guy who studies heart brain. But the reality is we're not, uh, we're functionally coupled. We're whole beings. Everything communicates. And, um, and these gap junctions are part of that communications network. Glyphosate turns that off and, um, and that's really bad. <laughs> the, the, third, the third thing it does is it drops NRF2 production by about 30%. NRF2 is, uh, and that essentially turns it off. And what, um, what that does is, again, I talked about NRF2 being um, the pathway that uh, uh, gets toxins out of your body. Well, all of a sudden, if your NRF2 pathway is turned off, all these toxins become that much more toxic. And so I called glyphosate because of that. It's sort of the mother of all toxins. I think actually I didn't come up with that. I think Jeffrey Smith, if you know Jeffrey, came up with that. But it's, um, it is. It's, it makes every toxin more toxic because your body can't get rid of it as easily. So you know, what's, what's the solution? We thankfully, when we did these studies on tight junctions, on um, gap junctions and NRF2 and glyphosate, we also put our product broccoli on the same cells to, and showed a reversal of the effect. Damn. Um, and so it, it actually, um, it, so sulfurifen, NRF2. So you just gave me an excuse to eat pizza. <laughs> well, that's the gluten. Gluten <laughs> yeah. does increase your yeah. tight junctions as well. Um, yeah. Um, so basically, the master regulator of tight junctions is NRF2. Sulfurifen is the best natural molecule at stimulating NRF2. And so that's, it's basically really good at keeping those tight junctions intact. Um, and it reverses the glyphosate's, uh, glyphosate's um, degradation similar with NRF2. Uh, it actually turns back on 
its production and um, gap junctions, again, it, it re- reestablishes uh, the communication network. So, I mean, that's sort of the very speedy description of those studies that are a bit more nuanced. But um, again, John Gilday was our brains and of the of the operation, and so we talked through a. Hey, let's it'd be good, cool to see what does you know glyphosate do with this? What does it do? And so he he walks through them and is able to show us. Here on The Lifestylist, we talk a lot about stress and how toxic it is to the body and mind. And I don't need to tell you, the holiday season is one of the most stressful times of the year. It shouldn't be, but it is. November and December's demands, end-of-year planning, holiday preparations, gift shopping, and family get-togethers can be a relentless source of stress for many of us. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, I totally get it. Well, breathe easy because Stress Guardian is here to help. That's the latest life upgrade from Bioptimizers, the geniuses behind Magnesium Breakthrough. This stuff is packed with 14 adaptogenic herbs that help regulate your stress response naturally, granting you control over the holiday stress. And with daily use, Stress Guardian becomes your personal shield against seasonal tension, enhancing both your mental and physical well-being. And Bioptimizers is so confident in their products that they offer a risk-free 365-day money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose to try it out. To get a head start on that holiday stress, visit stressguardian.com Luke and use the code Luke10 for 10% off your first order. And it couldn't have arrived at a better time, especially nowadays. Those political discussions over the holiday table are a potential landmine of drama. So before you head to that first holiday meal, make sure you've got a handful of Stress Guardian in your pocket. Again, the link is stressguardian.com slash Luke and use the code Luke10 for 10% off your first order. You reminded me because you, you both worked on the Ion product, right? Formerly known as Restore. I remember when that hit the scene, it was like there was a lot of buzz about that. Um, a few years ago, I interviewed Zach Bush oh, did. in San Diego. Yeah, he's been on a few times now. We'll, we'll put that in the show. We'll put everything, you guys, in the show notes, by the way, at lukestory.com slash Mara, M-A-R-A. Um, we'll link to the Zach Bush interviews. But anyway, I did this great interview kind of toward the beginning of the COVID situation. And he was just talking about viruses are everywhere. They're fine. Don't freak out. It's a great conversation. Um, even retroactively, I recommend people listen to it. But anyway, we do this conversation. Uh, we're getting to know each other, having a great time. Hey, let's all go out to eat. And we're in kind of suburban area of San Diego. There's there's no like organic places around. So we end up at an Italian joint. And dude orders the pizza or no, orders pasta. And then they bring bread and he's eating the bread. And I'm like, I go, Zach, dude, how much you know how much glyphosate's on that? And he's like, no, I mean, I take my eye on every day. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he doesn't eat like that all the time. But I was like, talking about practice what you preach. There must be something to that because he has the body of knowledge that would, you know, signal to oneself like, oh, hey, that's off the menu. I'll get some fish or steak or whatever you know that is not gluten. And he he was just having a great time living his life. It was helpful for me because I. I would say more so than the now uh, tend to lean on the orthorexic side of being afraid of the environment and everything I eat and being so hypervigilant about it. But I thought that was interesting. And after he, 
you told me that, then I started really upping my game with the with the ion, you know, especially if I was eating something suspect, you know, I'd take a shot of it before or after and maybe follow with some activated charcoal or something like that, because it's just difficult to live your life in the modern world and try to be so controlling about every little thing. So I'm I'm always looking for add-ons to the strategy that make life less constrictive. So a funny side on uh, Ion, uh, which was then Restore. Uh, so my background's in sciences. Mara was diagnosed with cancer. And she was like, you know, uh, she was a nurse. And so she had seen what chemotherapy did to people. And she said, I don't want to do chemo. And can, we, can you look at natural molecules that would be um, kind of like a natural chemo? And so it's like, sure. And so so we're heading down this integrative path, not just poo-pooing, you know, uh, traditional, but also not saying it, it's all right. And then um, I was like, we have, whatever we do, there ha- it has to be, we just promised ourselves that it has to be a, a, a breadth of literature backing it. I don't want to do kind of crazy stuff. And so we wind up in Zach Bush's office um, back in 2012. And he's just a country doctor at that point. And he, um, really, you know, nice guy, wrote on this uh, no-labeled um, white kind of Boston round plastic bottle, you know, two tablespoons twice a day. And I'm like, and I'm just like, and there are no studies on this. He's like, no, it's brand new stuff. And... Um, and so we're driving back um, up to our, where we, we lived, and um, I call up John Gilday. He's like, hey, John, I uh, just met this guy, gave us this bottle. Um, can you just, can I give it to you so you can just make sure it's not poisonous? <laughs> <laughs> just give me something. He's like, here, bring, you know, bring it by. So I brought it by. Um, and so... And, and Zach actually had some uh, a, a notebook of soil science papers um, that I, I gave it to him too, but it wasn't on this product. And so, long story short, next the next week, John, who is like never sick, he's like once in a two two year period gets sick. He's sick. He's in bed, and um, he's look, flip, flipping through this soil science pa- papers and thinking about this product, and like. Here's sort of this aud- like audible like from God. Um, this is the antidote to glyphosate, and um, he's like, "Dude, this is like this doesn't ne- never happens." So it gets better, uh, go- and figures out some. T- and sure enough, he tests tests stuff. Uh, you know, he's sick in bed, and so he's he's figuring out how he's going to test this, and so he uh, does and comes back, and and sure enough, there's some. Uh, it it was very good at again the, the tight junction. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was and so that was Mara was at the center of that that. Oh, that's so interesting! Wow. Do you think um, there's any utility, legitimate utility, in taking a couple activated charcoal capsules after one? eats a bunch of gluten at a standard restaurant where you the likelihood of it being full of glyphosate is high um i mean not super, you know obviously we're, we're talking about tightening those junctions and making the gut less permeable but 
I always yeah. think about, oh, just taking some, you know, like a bentonite clay or charcoal or something to kind of suck it up on the way out. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually am a fan of activated charcoal. Um, I, I think in, in terms of toxins, yeah. I mean, the issue with glyphosate is it's water soluble. So it may just go, you may just, it may just go it through. Whereas like the, char the activated charcoal would kind of get rid of the stuff that's left in the gut. Um, oh, okay. And so you so, might have already absorbed, you maybe. would just instantly absorb the water-soluble glyphosate. Okay, noted. Um, yeah, and then the the clay, I haven't done a lot of research on the clay, and, and there's, somebody asked me about silicate, and I have seen, you know, not all, I, I can't say carte blanche, all silicate is bad, but some a couple of the ones I looked into, I'm like, yeah, I don't think that I would do that, but there's so much out there, right? Cool. Noted. All right. So let's talk. Uh, I think we covered, let me just make sure I got everything I wanted out of that one. I mean, God, there's a lot to the sulforaphane, but I do want to cover some other stuff. So I, th I think, I think, throw out. did we miss any like low hanging fruit, big movie like, parts here? So, um, BDNF, um, so, uh, BDNF is at, is at the center of brain health. It helps protect existing neurons. It helps grow new neurons. Um, uh, sulforaphane uh, in broccoli actually, um, excuse me, it, it actually upregulates BDNF. And so we have about 25% wow. of people who take our product have very vivid dreams at night. Oh, interesting. And that's BDNF. And so I'll, I, when I was doing customer support early on, I would be, you know, I'd get people calling in, hey, it's not working. We have a very generous kind of no questions asked money back guarantee because we want people to try it because we know it works. And, and some, but we also know everybody's different and some people may, it may, not, may, may not notice a difference. And so that's fine. And so this guy was like, hey, I want my money back. It doesn't work. It's like, okay, it's not a problem. Hey, let me ask you, have you had vivid dreams recently? And there's this pause. He's like, no way. It's like, that's this? It's like, yeah. And so kind of explained to him. Um, he's like, that's amazing. So anyway, um, BDNF, brain health, very important topic, especially now. Um, and, uh, and there are some, you know, we can't talk about specific diagnosis, but mood-related issues. There, there's a whole vein of um, literature on mood-related issues that sulforaphane is good for. Um, and then one of my favorites is uh, balding. Um, it, oh, uh, you got my attention now. <laughs> uh, the uh, DHT, the type of testosterone that leads to balding, um, basically the sulforaphane uh, downregulates that. Um, and so I... I I would be bald right now. I think. Um, really? Yeah. Without it, I think. All right, but, I'm getting on the. I'm getting on the <laughs> mega dose. I, I do my best to not get caught up on on vanity, but I don't know. There's something about the the receding hairline that is. It's 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 hard as a as a guy. There at least there, this guy. There are um, so autophagy. So basically, helping cells that need to be shown the door. They need to die. That are having trouble dying. Um, those, you know, those cells can, you know, that have trouble dying, may, uh, they can lead to cancer cells. Well, sulforaphane actually helps 
uh, and uh, promote autophagy, which is the programmed death of those cells. Really? Um, similar with mitophagy, uh, um, mitochondrial. Um, there, you know, fasting is good for mitophagy too. So when we don't eat, one of the benefits of fasting is you actually kill off the the mitochondria and the cells, for that matter, that need to be killed off. Well, in this scenario, sulfur, you know, if you're not fasting, sulforaphane uh, basically uh, does the same thing. Uh, and so both of those are, you know, fasting is anti-aging. Both of those aspects of sulforaphane are anti-aging. I will say, mentioned uh, watercress before. Um, so John, our scientist, uh, developed his own assay through a, a buccal swab in your cheek to measure NRF2 activation. And so he can, he can show, you know, competitor products don't activate NRF2, whereas ours does. And one of the reasons it does is that, that PITC, that, that chemical, cousin chemical from watercress uh, that we put in it as well. And that's a pretty unique thing that, you know, again, nobody's talking about, but um, we think it's really at the center of why our product is the best. That's badass. So it upregulates mitophagy and Promotes, autophagy? Yeah, both of them. Wow, that's badass. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it has, cool. it has about five other uh, anti-aging um, things it does that we won't go into, but I can... That's, that's incredible. Wow, this is... I knew I had to talk to you for some reason, and now I'm learning why. Uh, okay, but I do, in the interest of time, want to cover some other things. I think the next thing we were going to talk about was the uh, quercelite. We can talk about quercelite. The, the, so the, the quercetin, your version of it is quercelite. And I, in my notes here, I see like, as it says on your site, and, and by the way, thank you for putting uh, all the PubMed links on your site too. I'm like the geek that will go in and be like, all right, they're saying it does this thing. Is there any research to support this? Um, but this is another one that's like bioavailable. There's definitely a, a, a marked intention to designate these products as a percentage bioavailable or more bioavailable. And quercetin is one of those ones, another one of these compounds that I learned about years ago uh, and learned that it was um, most present in uh, capers. And so I started buying jars of capers and just pounding those. Yeah. You know, and then I heard... Onion like, skins. Well, oh, really? Yeah. And I, then I heard, yeah, that's fine, but you're not going to absorb much of it. So again, it's like, ah, oh, God, here's this thing that's been proven to do great things for the body. And, you know, how many capers can one eat, right? Yeah, we um, all, in our company, we all save the onion skins. It's like the most nutritious part of the onion. Really? And then we'll throw it into the broths um, and then, you know, in like a cheesecloth. Because um, I think that form actually, you, it does get through, but it tastes nasty if it's just by itself. Um, it's also good if you like are dying Easter eggs, right? So, <laughs> right. Um, but so... So yeah, it's not bioavailable. I think with quercetin, I think it's less than 5% gets through. Um, and so, uh, you know, what are, the, what are the things that are, that it does? Um, so one is, you know, there are th things we can say, can't say. So have with seasonal sneezy issues that, um, um, uh, th that basically helps cut the cut those nip those in the bud. So basically, 
friend of mine, um, this was before we did our curse elite. Um, this, uh, basically John had made this sort of a 1.0 version. Um, some friends came over and this girl, uh, this daughter of our friends couldn't even go outside, uh, cause of the reaction she was having to the pollen. And, um, you know, I just put some powder in this 50 ounce kind of test tube, shook it up with some water, had her down it and like 15 minutes, like it was, it was a complete reversal. Um, and so, you know, the, the issues is that, you know, you have, if you're if you're in that reaction, you kind of have to take a bit more than the two that we recommend. Um, if you're getting ahead of it and so you're not in the reaction, two should be fine to kind of maintain. But if you're if you're in in that uh, and you need to want to get over it, maybe t- take two every you know two to four hours until you're you notice some the, the shift. Um, the other thing that quercetin does is it, it uh, you know, there are cells that are con- the zombie cells, the senescent cells. So quercetin is a, a, a senolytic, so it it will show those cells, uh, help those cells die. So the senescent cells, all of the it, all the cell, it, it secretes um, things that kill every cell around it, and so it's very pro-aging. And so the quercetin helps kill those cells. So those are the two things we talk about with Kirsten. All right, hopefully we all know by now that sauna therapy is really good for you. The unfortunate fact is, my friends, is that we live in a toxic, stressful environment. So the scientifically proven benefits of a sauna are a no-brainer. Now, the problem is, of course, that many people don't have the space at home or cash in the bank to afford a full-size sauna. Well, our homies over at Bond Charge solved this with their brand new infrared sauna blanket. From blue light glasses to red light therapy and EMF management and circadian-friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. So the The Bond Charge Sauna Blanket is badass because it's lightweight, extremely portable, quick to set up, and very compact to store away when you're done using it. And thankfully, they paid attention to the details and made this thing very low EMF, and it heats up to get you sweating much faster than a traditional box sauna. It works by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise so you burn calories as you chill and listen to music, meditate, or even read a book. In fact, and this is crazy but true, you can burn up to 600 calories in just one session just lying there. Pretty sweet. And of course, sweating helps you eliminate heavy metals and other toxins, which are unfortunately so prevalent in today's world. But I gotta say my favorite part is that a short session in the sauna blanket releases a grip of feel-good endorphins, which leaves you feeling euphoric after your session. Combined with the cold plunge, this is my number one mood booster, hands down. All right, are you ready to get your sweat on? Here's what you do. Go to bondcharge.com and use the code LIFESTYLIST to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E, bondcharge.com. And again, the coupon code is LIFESTYLIST for 15%. 
That's super cool. Uh, we have something here in Texas. I don't know if you all have this back where you're from um, called cedar fever. No, didn't have that. Oh my God. There's a shitload of cedar trees okay. here. You know, I, I, the cedar trees are cool. They have a great energy. Yeah. I like them. I like the way they smell. I walk by and, you know, grab their needles and they have a really nice kind of terpene central oil to them. So they don't bother me. But last year, uh, my wife, Allison, got hit with this. We didn't know what was going on and then started asking around and people were like, oh yeah, that's cedar fever. Many people get here. You know, one person gets it, the other one doesn't. That's interesting. It was, I mean, it was like she had Lyme disease or something. I mean, she was wrecked so much to the point where finally I just had, we just had to leave. I drove her down to the coast for a few days just to get a reprieve somewhere where there are no trade winds. You know? Yeah carrying this pollen it's a real thing man and the people that get it tend to get it really bad so i'm i'm extremely glad to hear about that and i have noticed a lot of your sort of i guess i can say the word because i'm i don't sell anything but um a lot a lot of people that get these these reactions to things in the environment that plants make um a lot of the products the natural products will contain that quercetin or as you call it quercetin i think we have to agree that we pronounce things differently tomato tomato um, core, core, yeah. And, Sorry. and, uh, so, you know, you, you'll look at the kind of ingredient deck of a lot of things that are over the counter at the health food store for this. And, and we tried a bunch of them and, and nothing really moved the needle. There was no, nothing helped. Yeah. Even the homeopathics where somebody takes the juniper berries and, you know, does a dilution of them or whatever. It was kind of like, Great marketing. You read the body. You're like, ah, this is the this is the uh, silver bullet here, and and really nothing worked except just leaving town. Because like you said, with that with that particular issue, there, and I've not thankfully suffered from that um, in my life, but seems like once it gets a hold and you're in that histamine reaction, like you're toast. But if you can get ahead of it, it seems like you you have a much better chance of staving it off than trying to retroactively kind of get yourself out of it once it takes hold. Um, do you know what the relationship between the quercetin and the histamine response is? Like, how how does that how does it work? If you, if you happen to know, um, <laughs> I, it is. If it's too hard to dance around, it's it's fine. I understand. And then there's there's some some dancing and some just rust rustiness. Okay, so yeah. combination of both. Yeah. Anyway, you you know you give us your anecdotal story that yeah. is helpful for that. I'm gonna bank on that, and I'm gonna yeah. And and I'm with all of this stuff, if people want to try it, I mean, it's it's the type of thing where we want things to be a win win, and so we have a hundred day money back guarantee. Like, just try it. If you don't, if you if you're like, it didn't work. Like you, we actually we are not going to be offended and you can just get your money back. We just want people to try stuff because a lot of people. I appreciate that. I had the guys from Bioptimizers on the other day and they're one of our longtime sponsors on the show. And they have, I think they have a year money back guarantee. And I asked them, I was like, how do you guys stay in business? And they're like, we just don't get many returns. It's really rare because their stuff is high quality and it works. And I thought, man, that's a really, that should be like the gold standard in the supplement industry is, is some period. I mean, a few people have a 30 day, I guess, here and there, but it's, I think, less the norm. But what a great insurance for people that are spending their hard-earned money on something and then it just sits in the cabinet because they didn't get a noticeable effect from it. So I, I like that policy. And on that note, um, I have in my notes here too, you guys have a discount for the listeners, which I always appreciate. 
If you guys go to mara-labs.com slash Luke's store, you can save up to 28%, which is really cool. Uh, all right, let's talk about berberine. Berberine. Yeah, and this is this is another one, again, not to be a broken record here, but I showed you my old <laughs> bottle I've had yeah. for years in there. And I, I think I had high cholesterol or blood sugar problems or something. And functional medicine doctors said, oh, you need to get on berberine. And so I did, and then I kind of forgot about it found the bottle in the pantry, got on it again, and then started learning that this is one of those ones too, where the bioavailability is an issue. So maybe tell us about, um, you know, about this particular compound, what some of its benefits are and why some are easier to assimilate than others. Yeah. And so I think that the actual study showed um, 0.6%, 0.68% of berberine gets to the gut barrier. And so very, very little of it gets through the gut barrier. And, um, and so what berberine does and what people have probably, if you've heard of it, you've heard it in the context of um, regulating uh, um, uh, blood glucose um, and, and uh, the blood glucose spikes and that sort of thing. And so, um, so basically regular berberine though, it takes, uh, it, it actually takes about, uh, six to eight weeks for that regulation to kick in. Um, and so with our product, we call it Berbalite. Um, we did this study. You basically uh, take two capsules um, at... at uh, so basically you have dinner, uh, don't eat overnight, um, skip breakfast, take two Berbalites, and by noon you'll be in a light ketosis. Really? Yeah. Um, oh yeah! What, what if you stack it with exogenous ketones? I love this ketone IQ drink. I mean, I don't love the flavor. I don't love it like I love a tasty beverage. But I had two already today. It's like my secret weapon for energy, mental clarity. I, I'm just obsessed. Do you think there'd be any uh, added bonus to stacking those two? Yeah, and so so um, so when I talk about being so yes, yeah, so the whole idea of being in ketosis is that you are using ketones as fuel. So typical, typically, um, how you how you uh, how energy production works and how energy usage works is you use glucose um, in your cells for energy. So one glucose yields one ATP. Um, adenosine triphosphate is, is through this. Um, the Krebs cycle, which is in your mitochondria, which is why your mitochondria is sort of the energy production center of your body, and so it's why my, mitophagy is so important—the killing of exist uh, old mitochondria to allow growth of new mitochondria. And so, with ketones, though, if you actually are keto adapted, you and you can use the ketones as fuel. Um, in that same Krebs cycle, you can put one ketone in and you could get 1.5 ATP out. So it's more efficient. The issue though is uh, it takes time. It takes even um, you know, a month or so of being in ketosis to really fully adapt to using ketones well. Um, and so that the person who did that example of being in light ketosis by noon, if they weren't keto adapted, you know, they, they probably wouldn't use, you know, I think it's, you know, half, you know, 0.5, I think was one of the measures of, that's coming to mind. That's, it, it's true, you're in ketosis, but your, your body's not adapted necessarily to use everything. So if you throw that drink on there, 
yeah, they might use some, but again, it, it depends on your adaptation to using ketones. And I think, you know, it's important to kind of talk through, because we were talking earlier, there's huge obesity, uh, huge metabolic syndrome in the country um, and, and type 2 diabetes. And, and so, you know, if we think about like what's really going on there, um, so you have like, um, you know, you ha- basically if people have uh, diabetes, um, they have trouble, you know, um, processing their glucose. So you have insulin, um, normal people, um, you eat a sugary, you know, a, a carbohydrate meal, a sugary meal, you get glucose in your blood. Well, you're, you, insulin is, insulin is produced. It's the signal to every cell to, it, to turn on and receive glucose. Get, it gets into the cell, it's processed, it's utilized. But with people with um, type 2 diabetes, there's a sensitivity. There, there's, those um, receptors on those cells are desensitized. And so uh, when the insulin's there, it's not, uh, it's, those cells aren't getting in the same amount of glucose and so what's going on is there's, there's really, really, they're starving. Um, and so that's why it's this metabolic syndrome. You, you know, you have um, high glucose, you have high insulin, and you're not able to process that insulin. And so what can happen is uh, when you have both of those high, um, it's, it's, it's your body's signal to start uh saving it. So start saving the energy stores as glycogen. So glycogen goes into your, your muscles, it can go into your liver. Um, but once that's filled up, it goes into fat. Um, and so the glucose gets processed into, into, and turns into fat. And so um, one of the things with, um, like with berberine, that's, that's good. And let me back up to, before we talk about berberine, Things that are pro, um, the bad thing about having glucose in your blood uh, is it's sort of anti-everything healthy. Um, Because what you wind up with is things called um, uh, glycation in in products that are, it's kind of like Ross, like... um, um, like pro-oxidants and it's basically rust. You're basically rusting uh, inside and advanced glycation in products. And so it's having all that sh- glu- glucose in your, in your blood, basically um, it, it leads to you know, inflammation. Um, it can lead to, to the diabetes and, and, and super fast aging um, when, you're, when you're getting all this rust in. And so... Um, things that are pro uh, insulin are typically not good for you. Things that drop your insulin are typically pro health, pro longevity. Um, so enter berberine. So berberine um, basically uh, it, it base. I suggest people take it at night because it can process um, glucose. The issue with nighttime, we uh, if you eat late at night. Once your melatonin kicks in, you cannot you can you're, it arrests your insulin production, and so you basically will be if you eat a, you know a sugary meal or what have you that glucose will be in your body all night. Um, if you take two um, berberine, 
um, it actually can help begin processing that glucose. Um, the other thing too is, you know, we talk about exercise. So um, going back to how energy is stored, well, it's stored in your muscle, it's stored in your, um, in your liver. And um, if you exercise, that's why it's exercise is good, is that you're burning the glycogen in your muscles, you're burning the glycogen in your, um, in your liver. And that's also what, what can happen with fasting. If you do a multi-day fast, the glycogen stores um, get burned. But it basically allows for room for glucose to go. Okay, And so um, that's why when we age, having more muscle is important. Um, so that because it's the muscle is the way we regulate the glucose. And so anyway, berberine, um, if you take it at night, um, after let's say a sugary, you know, a late meal doesn't even have to be super sugary. It actually that glucose is not going to sit in your blood all night, and so that's again um, really good. Um, I think I actually um, you know was just looking at uh, berberine at, for glucose and ketosis. And you know, we had heard about it actually after Mara died. About it was about five years ago, and I was like, "This is amazing," you know, right? But um, I found out to people who are using it um, and asked for testimonials. I was like, "Hey, you know, we're trying to get this product out there. Can you guys just share? If you clearly you like it because you keep ordering it, what's going on? What are you using it for?" And seventy-five percent of the people were using it for sleep. I'm like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "What's that?" And so. I go to PubMed where we just, uh, and <laughs> type in berberine sleep. There's a paper that comes up. Berberine um, better than, is it Vicodin? As a sleep aid. And Vicodin's a painkiller. So what's the sleep aid? It's, uh, um, uh, uh, not Valium. Va Valium. Oh, Valium. Yeah, okay. Better than Benzodiazepine. Yeah. 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 It'd be, they both began with a V. Yeah. Um, but, and so, Funny thing about Vicodin as an opiate is <laughs> opiates actually make your sleep shittier. I, I've learned that the hard way. Yeah, back in the day. Valium. Um, and so what it what so basically what it's doing is it's actually um, this is just regular berberine too. It's not even ours, but it basically increases uh, um, dopamine by twenty five percent. It's increasing. What? Uh, Even with the crappy absorption, regular standard. So it's, it's in the gut. It's gut. It's all gut related. So huh. I think. I mean, we haven't measured ours. Yeah, ours may do it better, but um, yeah, this is this was just with regular berberine, um, and then serotonin thirty percent. So both of, and, wow. and a separate study, interestingly, it increases um, oxytocin fifteen percent. Really? Yeah. So, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so all you know that's. People really like it for sleep, and that's part of the reason. I mean, I think that the anti-inflammatory, like getting the blood glucose out when dropping inflammation is important, but all those other factors are important too. Is there any evidence that berberine can be helpful with sugar cravings? So it sounds like it's a good a good hack after one's eaten some carbs or sugar and you're, you got a high blood glucose, but something that I... Um, I'll say struggle with because I don't fight it. I just do it and probably shouldn't, but at night, after 9 p.m., you can't stop me from eating sugar. 
it's like the angel and the devil on the shoulders, you know, and the angel's like, don't do it. You don't need that. Just go to bed. And and most nights the devil wins and I'm going to eat some form of sugar. And it's, it's, it's not a great habit. I wonder if, you know, after dinner, taking some berberine would help folks uh, with the actual onset of wanting sugar in as much as it's helpful after one has eaten. Yeah, sugar. I mean, I think there is a... Um there is some evidence to that. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I haven't, I feel like, did I see a sauna in here or is that somewhere else? Yeah, right, right there. Yeah. The that's old, a, it's uh, like yeah, the pop, old sunlight pop, and sauna. Get in that baby and just, it'll like stay in there as long as you can. It'll just get knocked out. No sugar cravings. Really? <laughs> that's I, cool. Cause I usually take my saunas in the morning. I did one this morning. Yeah. If but you do I, it at night. You just, it's, it's, so I get, I, when I do it at night, I have a great sleep. I'm, I'm going like, to try that. Sleep like a baby. I'm going to try that. I think just, maybe it's been, not that I've never done that, but I typically do it in the morning, but it's maybe counterintuitive to me because I'm always looking to drop my body temperature but it does. at night. Does it? It does. Really? Yeah. yeah. So cold dips in the morning, which actually helps raise your body temperature. Yeah, I'm doing that and on then, the daily. And then uh, saunas in the evening will help lo- lower it. That's so crazy. That's <laughs> funny. That's very counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm always thinking like, okay, I need to start getting really cold before I go to bed. I mean, I have my, my chilly sleep doc pro. So my bed's super cold. Thank God. I, I could never live in Texas without that thing, but that's cool. I'm going to try that. I could take some berberine, then take a sauna, then go to bed. Go to bed, sleep like a baby. And you guys also have uh, a sleep aid product. That's what it's got like valerian and passion flower the, the, that it, kind of stuff some of yeah that. it has ashwagandha so basically there um you know just like curcumin there are a million curcumin products out there and a friend of mine calls it the curcumin wars everyone says they have the best product um sleep there are a lot of sleep products out there and we just wanted to offer one that didn't have melatonin because most most of the supplement industry the biggest category of supplement industry is sleep the biggest uh, ingredient in supplements in sleep is melatonin by far. But it's a hormone. I'm very pro-melatonin. I like melatonin. Yeah, me too. Um, but there are people that just can't. They can't yeah. do it. Yeah. And that's, I think it's a growing number. Um, and so, you know, um, we are trying to offer things that aren't on the market that we like, right? So that's kind of our MO. Um, and so we wanted a product that we, you know, we have the aura ring. So we that we know increases deep sleep um, that is not, you know, currently out there. And so um, it has ashwagandha to help get to sleep. It has uh, broccoli powder in there for the BDNF. It has a berberine for the uh, serotonin and dopamine. And then it has um, some serotonin precursors, tryptophan, 5-HTP, as well as it's a sleep and mood. So, um, you know, people, People, some people who have mood issues can't sleep. Some people who can't sleep tend to develop mood issues. And so what comes first, the carp or the horse, chicken or the egg? And so we wanted to have uh, a lot of people who have mood issues can't methylate their B vitamins. So we have a methylated B6 and then a methyl donor. And so we couldn't fit, you know, you talked about your wife not liking big capsules. We are very pro small capsule, mainly because what I walked through with Mara I mean, sick people can't take, it's not just your wife, sick people can't take big capsules. And so we want as small a capsule as possible 
for people. So as many people as possible can take it um, if they want to. And so we keep it in a small capsule. But the, the, the difficulty is you can't get that much stuff in there. And so we have a methyl donor. And so in a reaction, if you have like a lot of reagent, it can drive the methylation of unmethylated other B vitamins. So that's the rationale there. So it's sleep and mood. Awesome. I love it. That's the first one I got of yours and I went through it in a very short period. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice anything with your, I see your aura ring? You know, I didn't test it with the aura ring, but, but I did find it helpful for sleep, which is why I burned through it super fast. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, I don't know, the way I work, and I don't recommend this for people listening, if, you know, if a bottle says take three, I'll start the first night with 10. Ah, ah, you know, just, ah, I'm a dumbass ah. like that. Um, but I, I kind of want to push the threshold. And then if I wake up, like in that case, I, I don't remember waking up groggy, but that could be a side effect of taking too much of something that relaxes you. And then I'll kind of scale it back until I find the sweet spot. I, was, I did find it to be helpful. Yeah. I will say, um, I'll, you know, occasionally wake up at the 3 a.m. hour and um, I'll, have, I'll keep a broccoli, a burble, and a sleep leet next to my bed. Um, and if I wake up, I'll take them. Um, and inevitably, nine times out of 10, I won't just go back to sleep. I'll have the best sleep of the night in that wow. span of time. I'll wake up 6.30, 7-ish. Won't be like, oh, can't get up. I'll be like, ah. Oh, that was the best, you know, that, that sort of feeling. That's awesome. I'm going to try that. Yeah, I do have bouts where I wake up around that three or four thing, kind of energized and have to put on a podcast or something to fall back asleep. It's kind of annoying. You know, um, we'll say with berberine too, uh, one of the, the most mind-boggling studies, anti-aging studies that John and I have read, John read it, sent it to me. He's like, you got to read this. So basically... Um, there, they did, it was a, a mouse study. They aged mice with chemotherapy, all of them. And then half of them, they um, gave berberine to. Again, regular berberine. Um, uh, I have to look back. I think it was a lot of these studies, they either squ squirted into their abdominal cavity or give it IV. Um, so I can't re exactly remember how they bypassed the bioavailable issue, but um, probably IV they lived 80% longer than the mice that didn't get it, which is just like... That's insane. What? Yes, it is insane. Like I, We've never seen a study like that. So that was like... So again, we think they didn't say in that study, but um, we think it's against senescence. If you think, what is chemotherapy doing? It's like giving a, a ton... It's creating a ton of uh, senescent cells that then we potentially berberine is uh, showing the door, getting them to die. So Badass. Yeah. All right, the last thing I think, those famous last words, uh, I always think it's the last thing, and then I think of more interesting things to talk about, but resveratrol, is, that's been you know one of the heavy hitters on the anti-aging scene for a while. I think some of the products I use have some of it in there, here and there. I mean, it's something I see on labels. It, it's not one that I've researched a lot. It's just... You hear about the blue zones or people in France that, you know, drink tons of red wine and it's been attributed to their longevity and so on. But I don't I don't really know a lot a lot about it. It yeah. just seems to be 
smart people like you and others are big fans. <laughs> so I want David. I want to learn more. Yeah, have you followed David Sinclair's research? He's the no, I haven't. He's the guy. So I, I hear the name around. Yeah, um, he's worth worth a follow. Worth a, uh, getting his book. Came out a couple years ago. Um, but he's out of Harvard, and he actually had the resveratrol company sold to farm big pharma. Um, that then for like I think three quarters of a billion, and I'm, I don't quote me on that. That's what I'm remembering. But then they just went belly, went belly up because what they're trying to do was create a synthetic resveratrol, and so I think he had research showing resveratrol does is anti aging. Anyway. If you go on to anti-aging, like I'm on a Facebook group and everyone's poo-poo resveratrol because it didn't work, it didn't work, the company went out of business. I'm just like, guys, like that's not, it's like apples and oranges. They, they, weren't, try, they weren't trying to market resveratrol. They were trying to create a, a synthetic version. So it does, you can't say that resveratrol doesn't work. So basically what it does is there's the, these different um, pathways called sirtuins, and sirt one is is the specific um, one that uh, resveratrol works against, and so it's very that's how that's the aging pathway. Uh, I think um, uh, so it it helps with the the sirt one, and um, again, a lot of what Sinclair showed that, um, and he actually. Um, as an aside, like, I mean, he's, he, he's, he is like, he basically, he's like people like your children will live to 120 or, or, or longer. That's going to be, it's going to be common. What he's doing is he's actually ha reversing, he is reversing aging. It's not just anti-aging. He's, he has the, the formula to move it backwards. And so, um, it's a little kind of, it's sci-fi, but um, John, again, has read all of his stuff and the fine print and everything. He's like, it's where like, actually, and he's, John is trying to figure out the net because a lot of them, a lot of the, I think there are four or five compounds he's using that are, most of them are biologics, synthetics. And so John's trying to do, find the, the natural um, equivalents to, to do, you know, do the same research. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's upon us. Um, so it's, a, so resveratrol, great for anti-aging. The issue is, as with all of them, it's not bioavailable. So like, uh, typically you read like, uh, Sinclair takes a gram a day. Um, again, what ours does is we combine it, we attach it to a protein. Um, so our technology is we have a, a protein that we attach a C-based carbohydrate to and we, it's, we create sort of a novel molecule that we then attach our, these phytochemicals to. Resveratrol is one of them. Basically, it gets to the gut barrier. The other issue is that with resveratrol, it gets the, there's like the first pass metabolism. And so ours stays in uh, the, the circulation a little bit longer so it can get to these cells. Do you, do you guys have patents on any of these uh, so that molecule we uh -huh. have a patent pending on oh cool yeah so that's the that's our technology hopefully we'll get it i'm imagining your laboratory i, I love to I, i'm the guy that watches the you know how we make stuff shows and all that. like i love to see behind the curtain yeah. is do you have 
what I'm imagining it to be is this kind of mad scientist. Your your partner John's in there with beakers and test tubes. And is it is it like I imagine how you guys are doing this research and developing these yeah, it, novel ways to deliver these compounds? It's cool because he's been in the industry so long. Like he can go on Amazon or eBay. He's like, oh, this this uh, plate reader, like you know, used to be hundred thousand dollars, and it's for like two thousand. You know, and he's like, get it, you know, and so we'll get we'll send. We just get all this equipment that's world class that people have. There may be two upgrades ago, but he's been he can still use it and do cutting edge stuff. Or we have a microscope that um, uh, was like three hundred thousand that we got for ten thousand. You know, stuff like that. So it's just. Pretty cool. So cool. Yeah. yeah, I love geeking out on science in that way. I will say, I mean, I think because I'm not a scientific or mathematically inclined person, but I really enjoy people that are because I'm not. You know, so I find it fascinating. Yeah, before we um, had the, the our Mar Labs, um, we did a lot of our. I basically um, converted my kids' playroom into the the lab. Oh, and so yeah, and so um, we were buying this equipment. So basically, with her cancer, what we did was we wanted to figure out how do you know that when you give her like a a curcumin product that we know kills her type of cancer, how do you know it's working? And so we got this thing called a digital PCR, and I found a unique marker on her cancer um, called a SNP, a single nucleotide polymorphism, that was basically her biomarker, so that if it uh, killed the cells, the, the genetic material were lice, and we would be able to measure how much lice. Um, so it's, again, personalized medicine, but I had to buy this, and um, the guy came to, but they didn't just, you know, sell to anybody. So I had like a hood, um, a microscope, a plate reader, or plate reader uh, incubator, all in this, I was literally 100 square feet. So this guy comes in, and he's like, this is the most amazing room I've. He's just because usually you have a room, you know, you have a big room, and it was all like concentrated in, in this hundred square foot That's, room. I, dude, I love it. I yeah. love it. So, so that was the mad science. Now we're a bit more mainstream. You guys have legitimized yourself a bit since then. Uh, with the resveratrol, as I understand, that's derived from grape uh, skins. Is that correct? Yeah, so the the grapes, the grape skins, the grape seeds have oh, it, okay. um, and then ours comes from like a Japanese knotwood is the is the source uh, that's just readily available. Oh, cool! Um, so that's and what does berberine come from? Yeah, it's it's a plant, so it's it's actually similar to um, you know the, it's Ayurvedic and, and so Indian Chinese three thousand five thousand years old. Um, been used for gut stuff for a long time. Similarly with curcumin, it's been around forever. Oh, cool. Um, so it's ancient. It's its own plant. It's its own plant. Uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Man, so cool. Yeah. So cool. Um, well, thank you so much, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love deep diving on this stuff. And it's so um, it's fortuitous that we got to cover so many of my favorite anti-aging compounds in one conversation because oftentimes someone well you know i don't know if i can have a whole 
podcast about berberine. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe I could if someone knows enough, but these are all things I've been interested in and using just kind of like I said, because I hear online, it's, oh, it's good for you. All right, I'll take it, you know, but... Um, and what, is, the, what are the two that we're missing that you like? Um, urolithin A and spermidine. Those are two that are, that are very interesting. And incidentally, I have done shows dedicated to either one of those, but they're kind of, you know, novel, heavy-hitting, well-researched anti-aging compounds that I take on a regular basis. With spermidine, interesting um, about that. And I don't know that I can solely attribute this to spermidine, but um, it's known to increase sperm counts. It's present in natto, the fermented soybeans. That's like the highest food, but it's difficult to get a lot of it from food unless you eat a lot of natto. Uh, and most people don't like natto because it smells and tastes like feet. Uh, but anyway, I um, had, did a sperm test because we want to have a baby. And I just, ah, I might as well check because it wasn't really happening for us. Checked, sperm's just annihilated, gone, zero, total F on all metrics of sperm measurement. Then I learned that taking saunas is really horrible for sperm production, as is exogenous testosterone, which is counterintuitive. I had just started taking it, never taken testosterone. I thought, ah, I'm going to give it a shot, see if how I feel. I'm taking a very low-dose weekly um, intramuscular shot, and I learned about the testosterone. So I stopped saunas and stopped testosterone. Well, I eventually started doing saunas again because I figured out you could use an ice pack to solve that particular problem, without <laughs> going into specifics. But uh, anyway, I tested, and, and then I started megadosing spermidine, like just like crazy amounts that you're, I don't know, you're not recommended even to take. I don't think it's, there's a downside to it, but it's probably overkill and, you know, diminishing returns, et cetera. Tested two months later, and I'm like an 18-year-old. Oh, wow. So I don't, you know, I don't know if you could just do that from stopping testosterone and stopping saunas. I suspect it had something to do with the spermidine. So that was interesting. And it's it's also very useful for autophagy too. There's a lot of studies on that. So I think between those two and all the stuff you guys are doing, if you want to age more gracefully, that those that's a great stack, all of that. And then also the the NAC glycine thing too. I was not really that hip to it until you explained that, but I think that could be another one to add in there. Because there's like... My goal is always just to live with as much vitality as possible and to hopefully not get any diseases between now and the time I check out of this body. I'm not so concerned about how long I'm here, just that while I'm here, I can enjoy my life and, and be of service, you know? But also, I'm not mad if I live longer, yeah. I have more time here to develop myself, which yeah. is for me, the purpose of my life is to evolve here, you know? Um, so this area, I think, is becoming more interesting to me. I just turned 53 the other day. So, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so forgive people that are younger and listening to this. And they're like, dude, I'm 22. I'm not worried about longevity. But trust me, you will be. You know, you hit 50 and all of a sudden you start counting down. Well, wait, the average life expectancy is how much? And I'm 50, you know. It becomes more meaningful, I think, as you get older, you know, to just want to feel good. So I appreciate the work you guys are doing. And that you're creating unique and innovative products. And those are kind of the only people I like to have on the show because, like you said, you can go on Amazon and buy 50 million curcumin or berberine products and God bless them, but they're probably not really going to move the needle. So when I find someone that's doing it in a way that's um, unique and compelling, I'm really excited to talk about it. Well, it's been a pleasure to 
be here. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, right on. All right. So uh, I'm going to remind people, go to mara-labs.com slash Luke Story. Get yourself that up to 28% discount. Now, before we go, and we'll put that as a clickable link in the show notes for you folks too. Before we go, I got one last question for you. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life or your work that you'd like to share with us? All right. So I'd say, um, well, Linus Pauling did the vitamin C research. He's the only guy that actually won the Nobel Prize twice. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Cool. So he won it twice. Of course, now the, the Mayo Clinic did a oral vitamin C study to kind of and try to debunk his stuff. But, um, but yeah, um, vitamin C uh, and IV vitamin C and cancer, uh, it's, it's, there's no such thing as a silver bullet or a monotherapy, but that's as close as it comes. <laughs> Um, so his research is great. Um, I've been doing, um, I mean, the, uh, a lot of um, kind of the the idea of omega threes and um, omega three to omega six ratios. I think latest research out is having um, you know about eight grams a day, which is a lot is really pro um, longevity, pro health span. Um, <clears throat> and it's just the, the, one of the ladies that kind of did that early on, um, 1930s, Joanna Budwig was um, big. She was from Germany, um, probably would have won the Nobel if she was a, not a woman. But she actually figured out that if you combine uh, flaxseed oil uh, with, which is high in omegas, Omega threes with cottage cheese, it makes makes its own uh, bioavailable form. So really? yeah, you just blend it, and it make, uh, creates a chemical reaction, and it's a bioavailable omega three. Um, what a trip! Yeah, and so she was big with uh, cancers. Um, what about the estrogenic properties of flaxseed? Is that a concern for you? So if you do, uh, if you actually do it with the um, the shells you can do it without shells you can do it with shells they're called oh, i'm blanking on the but that chemical is actually very pro testosterone oh really yeah and so uh, it's so you can get a clear flaxseed or you can get a dirty one and it's the dirty one and i apologize that i can't remember what it's okay. but but barleen's is actually the 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 brand to get okay um the the trusted brand i'm i'm a big Joel Salatin fan He's he's not yeah. that old, yeah. Um, but he uh, he's local to where I'm, I'm at. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, I've always wanted to go see his farm. It's a pretty sweet farm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you can make it up, Polyface Farm. Polyface. Yeah. Yeah. So you know his his thing is, um, and that whole like actually that whole movie where he's kind of kind of got introduced. Michael Pollan. He's the guy that narrates it and has the famous quote of like um don't uh, buy food where you get your gas you know <laughs> um sage but, advice yeah but in th- if i've met joel talked to him on a, my podcast and just his his view of of um local and that 
you know, if you if you go and hit, shake hands with a farmer that makes your food, you know where it's coming from. And I think that's half the issue is like, we don't know where our food's coming from. Like, you know, uh, especially the oils, like you go out to eat, even if it's an organic restaurant, you know, the oils are a big question mark. And that's, some, they're typically omega-6, pro-omega-6, and they're, which probably rancid and pro-oxidants. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's and maybe even genetically modified. And so it's just, um, I think that the idea of food security, food, um, have, you know, knowing where your food's coming from is important. 100%. Yeah, it's one of the cool things about living here in Texas. There's, uh, there's quite a few regenerative farms around that are, that are making waves. And, and even a lot of the local farmers that might not even be part of that scene, you can find them at the farmer's market and you get raw E2 dairy and, you know, grass finished beef. And they're, they're, I mean, I've talked to these guys and these are like old cowboy hat wearing Texas ranchers. And I think, oh, here comes the hippie from California that's going to start grilling them. And they all so far have passed with flying colors. You know, I, I ask them about, you know, the, the, not only the, um, you know, the feed and whether it's grass finished and all that, but if they're vaccinating the animals and some fairly nuanced questions and they're like, are you kidding me, man? Hell no. You know, they're, they're old school. It's just, they figured out that not only are their animal products better for you, better for the environment, but also better for the bottom line. You know, I think that's the thing that's starting to catch on is like, man, these poor farmers on all these subsidies and stuff, it's just criminal what they're doing to these families and the suicide rates for farmers. I mean, it's just diabolical. So it is. Yeah. Have you followed much with Weston A. Price? Foundation? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was a dentist uh, again, um, 20s, 30s. And, uh, but he was from Philly and uh, did, did sort of the original um, oral microbiome research where these kids had lots of cavities um, and so he's just started feeding them all like a lunch that was predominantly a salad and showed the shifting of their oral health over a period of time. Um, but now that foundation, the Western Price Foundation, um, they have like a website, uh, drinkrealmilk.com, where you can locate any, any of your like milk, raw milk near you. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, it's a finder um, that's national, and then, um, but the, yeah, they're big on. Um, it's mainly raw milk, but they, you know, they have a conference that we were at uh, in Kansas City a couple weeks ago, and just you know, salt of the earth people. Everybody's just you know very, but that and that meal, I didn't have to worry about. Like, I, it was it was like this letdown. Like, I actually, these people are more militant about eating than I am. <laughs> And so right. I knew where it was, it was everything was okay. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, that's the thing when you look at the Weston A. Price uh, photography when he went, you know, traveled yeah. around and visited these people, and you see these big, broad smiles and healthy teeth and fully developed jaws and ripped, low body fat. You know, just it's incredible. If you if you just a b a photo of someone like that with a malnourished or yep. you know overnourished person who's on the average american diet sad um, yeah it's brutal it's brutal and it, it's crazy that it's kind of that simple you know i mean you know we're talking about some more exotic ways to improve your health and i don't 
personally, I don't believe that in today's world with the toxins to which we're exposed and add EMF and chemtrails and blue light and all the assaults that we face every day, I don't know that you could just eat nutrient-dense food from your local farm and thrive. I think we're maybe past that point (laughs) because most of us grew up for the first 30, 40, maybe even 50 years eating Cheerios and whatever, right? TV dinners. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, (laughs) uh, I don't know, maybe if if your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents were eating from the farm and then you want to do that too, you might be all right. But I think it is... um, wise of us to you know start hedge our bets a little bit and add some things in like we've described today but there's yeah. those uh natives that he took those pictures of too um one of the other contrasting things is they could poop on demand really um whereas like the average new yorker it's like once every two days right like i didn't know that yeah that's funny i remember when i first got into this health stuff um this is in the late 90s and colon hydrotherapy was a really big deal and i was uh following this health expert who was a proponent of like a raw food uh you know vegan diet which i i tried the vegetarian at least for a while and it, it didn't work for me i my my health declined uh, somewhat dramatically, especially my teeth for that matter. So I was getting no fat-soluble vitamins, no vitamin K2, no retinol, and so on. But one thing he really had right was uh, colon health. And he would talk about uh, this study that he, he would cite was how indigenous peoples, I don't remember if they were in the Amazon or Africa or wherever they were, but just people that weren't eating an adulterated diet would defecate about 20 to 30 minutes after each meal and that was the they're defecating the meal prior right and that that's how like a normal human humanoid digestive system is supposed to work and at that time i was one of like the examples you gave in new york i'm like uh they're going three four times a day i'm like if i'm going three or four times a week at that point you know so that that was one of the big things that really started to turn my health around was getting the elimination just that was a huge needle mover yeah and you know the big buzzword nowadays is the ozempic with blood glucose uh glp1 you know that what what it's also doing is slowing your digestive and so like those say you pooped once a day that might be once every other day you know it's just it's it's and it, it we talked about decreasing glucose being pro-health, increasing glucose being anti-health, and it's increasing blood glucose. Or oh, not really? blood glucose, insulin, excuse me. Insulin, it's increasing insulin oh, wow. is part of what it's doing. And so um, that Forbes had an article, is Ozempic, or is Berberine nature's Ozempic? And it's and for those reasons, it's, I'm, I wrote a blog article. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, um, but I actually, I didn't say no. I said, I kind of wrote out the points and it's like you make your decision and uh, i think a lot of people are like yeah it is it's like missing you know no i don't think it is but cool cool uh before we go you mentioned you had a podcast i didn't even know that you want to give us a shout out is it up and running and active yeah, yeah. and people um, can tune into it marlab's podcast we are on spotify and um we have a, our uh, blog and we put all of our podcasts on our blog um and so we'll do uh we're not as diligent as you uh i think we've done a couple this year we did about 20 last year so it's you know it's it's uh 
Yeah, we'll, but we do have one we're releasing soon. So. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we'll put that in the show notes with everything else we've talked about at lukestory.com slash Mara. Man, thank you so much for taking the time to deep dive with me today. I appreciate it. It's, it's great, great to meet you. Great to be here. Good to meet you, Luke. Thank you. Right on. <laughs>